SportsGrid.com. Betting insights and entertainment at your fingertips 24-7 as our team covers the most important topics in sports wagering. Real-time odds, predictive betting models, expert picks, and more. Want the edge? Then get on the grid. SportsGrid.com. Welcome in to Cover It with Diddy Covers here on SiriusXM Channel 159, the SportsGrid radio network. Over the course of the next hour, I'm going to hang out with a good friend of mine, mid-major Matt. Matt Josephs going to join us on today's show. We're going to break down everything that we've got for the two NFL championship games this weekend. We're going to talk sides. We're going to talk totals. And we're going to talk props. Joe Burrow, Joe Mixon, Jamar Chase, T. Higgins, Tyler Boyd, Patrick Mahomes, uh, <laughs> Tyreek Hill, Travis Kelsey, Nicole Hardman, Cooper Cup, Jimmy G, Elijah Mitchell, Debo Samuel, George Kittle, Matt Stafford, Cam Akers, OBJ, on and on down the line. We're going to go through prop after prop in detailed style and detailed fashion. Of course, mid-major Matt, one of the best at breaking down NFL props. If we have time at the end of the show, I'm going to talk about to him about college hoops as well. Talk about what teams are hot in the betting marketplace, what teams are not in the betting marketplace, which coaches we like, etc., etc. If we have time, who knows? <laughs> at this stage of the show, we don't know if we're going to have time to break down uh, all of that. But before we get into mid-major Matt and full-on discussion of the NFL playoffs, the NFL props, the college basketball markets, I feel like I do this a lot. But I want to bring up an article written by David Payne Pernum over at ESPN Chalk. I talk about him a lot because he writes interesting stuff in this space. And something happened this week that's worthy of noting. All right. There was a quote-unquote stat-keeping error (laughs) on Tuesday between the Utah Jazz and the Phoenix Suns. Chris Paul was was credited with an assist on a Devin Booker basket in the first quarter. But the video replay showed that Michael Bridges actually made the pass that led to Booker's layup and gave Phoenix, it was a 9-4 to score at the time. So Paul got credited with the assist, but Booker actually gave. Uh, or sorry, Bridges. Uh, uh, Paul was credited with the assist that should have gone to Bridges. Now, Bridges had an over-under on assists of two and a half at most sports books, and he finished with five in the night. So most bets weren't impacted. But some books allow bettors to adjust totals on prop bets at alternate odds, just like you buy points on a point spread. Some bettors move Bridges' assist total up to six at 14-to-1 odds and ultimately lost because Chris Paul was being credited with that assist. To Booker. So after the correction, Bridges finished with six assists, and Paul, uh, who ended up with 14 assists, or who had originally been credited with 14, that was changed to 13 in the box score on NBA.com. And of course, NBA.com is where all the quote unquote official stats are going to be. Now, there are a handful of sports books that are official sports betting partners of the NBA, and those bets typically get settled based on the official box score. On the day of the game, if the NBA changes the stat the next day, the bets have already been created, they've already been paid, and when the NBA changes the stat, those bets don't tend to be impacted. We saw FanDuel come out 
after the Tuesday, uh, after the correction was issued on Tuesday. Quote, we have adjusted online settlement on Bridges prop wagers at the FanDuel Sportsbook, so any potential winners will now be settled as winners. And that's a good thing for betters to see the stats get really looked at with a fine-tooth comb. That's not a good thing. That's not a bad thing. It means you're not being graded on mistakes. But when you have situations like this, all right, where in theory, and again, this is one where if you set the number and you set the number differently, it was uh, impacted you. For most betters, it didn't impact anyone. But that's not always the case. Sometimes it's going to land right on or around the number that was available to everyone. And to see sports books making these calls in favor of the player, in my mind, that's a good thing for sports betters. All we ask for is accuracy. All right. <laughs> we want the props to be graded in a timely fashion, in accurate fashion. And when the NBA screws it up, we like the books to note that the NBA screwed up and to adjust their payouts accordingly. Not always easy to do, but something that's a better, that's what you look for. So an interesting scenario there, again, doesn't happen every day where the box scores get changed, but something to be aware of as you are betting. I don't know if you know uh, about sports grid. And look, I've been uh, doing sports grid shows for, for years now. Uh, covered it with Teddy Covers. We started last January. So we're into our second year. And I found some numbers. Uh, I got the, I guess that's some numbers this last week. It's kind of shocking. In 2021, the Sports Grid TV and radio network reached over 150 million fans. <laughs> 150 million of you out there. Whether it's our over-the-air broadcast, cable TV, connected smart TV, streaming OTT platforms, mobile device, and streaming streaming live on the web. If you're looking for streaming, you can find us OTT, CTV platforms, Roku, Samsung TV Plus, Vizio, Sling TV, on and on down the line, YouTube TV, Zumo TV, Streamium, and Stir. We're not hard to find. Of course, you hear us on Sirius XM Channel 159 and the Sports Byline Radio Network. I'm telling you, if you can't find the content, you're not trying. Cover it right here on Sports Grid Radio Network continues. SportsGrid.com. Betting insights and entertainment at your fingertips 24-7 as our team covers the most important topics in sports wagering. Real-time odds, predictive betting models, expert picks, and more. Want the edge? Then get on the grid. SportsGrid.com. Welcome back. Cover it with Teddy Covers here on Sirius XM Channel 159, the Sports Grid Radio Network. And I'm excited to bring in today's guest. I haven't had him on the show in a while. And at this time of year, where props are every bit as important as sides and totals for the two huge football games this weekend, I couldn't think of a better time to bring in today's guest, Matt Josephs, at MidMajorMatt on Twitter. Matt, welcome to Cover It with Teddy Covers. Teddy, always appreciate it. Good to be on with you. Hey, the pleasure is all mine, my friend. Now, let's start with this. In football, they call you mid-major Matt because of your extraordinary ability in college hoops when it comes to finding those mid-major winners that so many people look for. But in football, you've kind of become a specialist in the prop market. So I want to ask you to start out like this. 
Why props and why now? Well, I mean, I think, you know, with the explosion of fantasy football, and with the explosion of the DFS market, I, I think it's only a natural place to go because when you dive into fantasy football, you're looking at numbers, you're looking at trends, you're looking at statistics, and that's how you're basing your selections, and that's who you're deciding who you're going to play on a week-to-week basis. Same thing for DFS. And, that, and all you do for there is you throw in some salaries and try and stay under a salary cap. So it only naturally converts over to the prop market because you're essentially trying to predict what's happening with specific players. You know, I, when you handicap a game, you're going to say, okay, I think Patrick Mahomes is going to have a good game. I think, you know, Joe Burrow is going to struggle a little bit, but you're not really throwing numbers behind it. But when you look at the prop market, you look at the trends, there's numbers behind all this stuff. And I think that there is certainly some angles and some places that you can go that I feel like are untapped potential. One of the places I like to go during the, the season was the kicker market. You know, I've figured out a way to basically try and exploit using kickers and deciding which teams kick it more, which teams prevent field goals the best. And it's a market that I think, you know, Vegas puts these numbers up on all sorts of things. And maybe they don't spend as much time on the kickers because they don't think it's going to be exploited, which is why I like to go for markets like that, because it seems like there's areas that you can find some edges in a sport that is really tightly. uh, The numbers are really tight and really good. Yeah, last time, uh, or one, uh, one recent time I talked to you, I know you liked both kickers to go over one and a half field goals at a plus price for each guy in that Raiders Bengals game. And of course, both kickers had cashed their over before halftime of that contest. So, talking about looking at the kickers, uh, that's some, uh, that's a couple of picks where you looked really smart in my eyes, uh, for sure. Uh, Matt, now, what's your methodology? You talk about you're going through the stats. You're looking at the game logs. Um, how do you come up with the props that you bet and release every weekend? Well, so, so I'll say this. So I do a lot of my research early. And as I've always said, if you like an over in the props, take it early. And if you like an under, wait as close to kickoff. Because people, when they watch these games, they don't want to root for field goals. They don't want to root for, you know, interceptions. They don't want to root for losses and things like that, incompletions. So if you wait and with your unders, chances are by kickoff, your number is going to go up a couple of yards or a couple of points, whatever. Case in point, already, you know, uh, acres for the Rams, his rushing total went from 58 in some books, 60 in others, to 63 and a half. And so you don't usually see things like that. And I bought into the under there because I think we're going to see a little bit of a buyback from that 63 and a half number. So you kind of go and you do all your research and you look, you know, as playing fantasy football, you always wanted to get the tight ends against the Bengals. The Bengals have been one of the worst teams against the tight end. So naturally you'll look at the tight end in the game and oh yeah, there's Travis Kelsey. He's one of the biggest pieces to this Kansas city chiefs offense. So you kind of weigh that you look at Kansas city they They've allowed the fourth most receptions to run running backs uh, so far this season. So you look at, all right, Joe Mixon, while Samaje Piran played during the regular season, doesn't really play much during the postseason because they don't trust him very much, especially after that interception that he helped uh, cause in that Titans game. So you're taking a lot of trends that you look at through fantasy football, through DFS, places you want to go, and you're translating it to the numbers that you see and making sure, as you always say, I'm sure, shopping around because every book has a little bit different. You might get an extra yard or two. You might get a different juice value. You might even get a reception or two difference. So the options of going to a bunch of different books also comes into play in a situation like this. So with the advent of legalized gaming 
uh, uh, legalized sports betting in places other than Las Vegas in recent years. We've really seen the prop market blow up, especially back east, let's say. I mean, the, the number of offerings that the sports books in Jersey and in New York and in Pennsylvania uh, offer compared to Las Vegas, it dwarfs oh, what they have here in Sin City. And with this emerging market, Matt, I know uh, a good handful of bettors that have had an excellent year betting NFL props. They're calling it a positive expectation market. Have you seen that? And how long would you expect this, quote, positive expectation prop market to last before the books finally catch up? Well, I I think that there's something that you're going to see. It's one of those cat and mouse situations. I think right now the the, the mouse is winning in terms of us, the the, the gamblers, because we're finding the places that the odds makers are struggling to handicap. As I said, the kicker market or, you know, if there's other places like team totals or things like that, that they throw these numbers up and they don't expect to get as much action. You know, then once the season ends, they're going to reassess things and they're going to say, all right, well, we got killed in these kind of bets. So let's think a little bit harder and so then the books will start getting the advantage and then we will start there'll be more numbers that come out that we can do more assessing of things and then the advantage will swing back and forth i think it's like a pendulum i think right now we're on the good side of things and eventually the odds makers will get their side and then they'll come right back to us but right now yeah there's an edge for us and i think that for at least for the rest of this season until the odds makers can reassess some things i think we're in a good spot here as gamblers yeah, I wouldn't argue with that. And we're in a great spot as gamblers because we have two huge football games this week and determine who's going to go to the Super Bowl. Let's get into it right now. Uh, we'll start with the Bengals and Chiefs. That game kicks off first. Looking at Kansas City, minus seven slash seven and a half as we speak. It is a split line. Total in the 54 and a half range. Don't worry. I'm going to get to the props. But first I'll ask you, do you have an opinion, side, or total in this one? Well, I mean, I'll say this. I think Cincinnati is going to make things interesting. I think in the end, they're just going to run out of steam. I think that Cincinnati's offense is going to find some success. They were able to do so at home. And I think Joe Burrow, even if it's like a late scoring situation in terms of garbage time or whatever, I think Cincinnati is going to put up some points. So the leans to the over. The problem with taking the over now is you probably should have gotten in when it opened up because now it's gone up a couple of points. And I never like to be the guy who takes a play a couple of points after the value's gone. It's almost like, all right, I'm sorry. I missed out. Uh, I'm just going to sit this out. Um, and then you look at the, the side here. The one worry I have for Kansas City is their pass rush is not as good as Tennessee. If you give Joe Burrow some time in the pocket, he's going to get you know Jamar Chase and some of these other guys involved. So I, I think Cincinnati can hold up their end of the bargain. I'm more apt to potentially throw Cincinnati, uh, Kansas City in a teaser. Um, than to play them straight up at seven or seven and a half. I think if you could tease this thing down, then you sit pretty and you decide whether or not you want the the Rams or the 49ers to be the other half and most likely the 49ers as the other half of that teaser. So let's let's do this. Rather than get into the props before the break, let me just get your quick thoughts on San Fran and L.A. Same story, side and total uh, on that one. Of course, when we talk about positive expectation teasers, you want to be getting capturing three, four, six, and seven. You can only do that with the chief side of this. You cannot do that in the Rams 49ers game. 
Right, yeah. I mean, it would be Chiefs and the 49ers that you would do that sort of thing. I, I think the Rams are going to win. I still think the Rams are the best team in, in football. They sold their future out for this situation. You don't go and get Von Miller and Odell Beckham and, and Jalen Ramsey and fall short. I think the streak ends. I think Sean McVay is going to have – he's going to call a really good game. Matt Stafford's going to get another notch on his belt here. He got his first playoff win. He got his first road playoff win. I think the Rams win here straight up. So the Rams to the win. The question is, can they do it by margin? We've got so much more, really. We're just tip of the iceberg with Matt Josephs. We're going to go through player by player, prop by prop. Matt's going to break it down. He's an expert at this. Don't touch that dial. Cover it continues after this right here on SiriusXM Channel 159, the Sports Grade Radio Network. SportsGrid.com. Betting insights and entertainment at your fingertips 24-7 as our team covers the most important topics in sports wagering. Real-time odds, predictive betting models, expert picks, and more. Want the edge? Then get on the grid. SportsGrid.com. We're on your TV, we're on your radio, and we're on your phone. Just go to Twitter and give us a follow at SportsGrid and at SportsGridTV. To stay on the grid everywhere you go. You can follow me on Twitter at Teddy underscore covers. And I'm telling you, I'm just shy of 50,000 followers. I got like 49.6 right now. So if you're thinking about giving me a follow, today's a great day to do it. We want to get to 50. Again, at Teddy underscore covers. And our guest today, Matt Josephs at Mid Major Matt on Twitter. He too, an excellent follow. Uh, again, at Mid-Major Matt, all kinds of tidbits you're going to get from his Twitter account. All right, Matt, you gave us your basic thoughts, side and total on the game. You think the Rams are going to win. You think the Chiefs are worthy, perhaps, of a teaser wager. You think they're going to win. But you are a prop specialist and a prop expert. Let's start getting into players. You got the numbers. I got the players. I'm going to throw guys at you. You tell me what you think. Whether it's yardage, whether it's touchdowns, whether it's no opinion, whether it's receptions, whatever we got. Go to town, my friend. I'm going to throw it to you, and you give us your take. Let's start with Joe Burrow. Well, I'll say this for Joe Burrow. I, I mean, look, you know, you'd want to see potentially a, a passing touchdowns, but I'm looking at one book. The overs minus 185. I, I don't, I don't ever take anything above minus 140, and even then, I have to really love it um, because I just don't think it's worth it in the prop market. If Joe, if you take something at minus 180 and he gets hurt and you lose what you thought was a sure thing, then you're already down on the bankroll. So usually, my cutoff is minus 140. The one thing I think is interesting is the interceptions. Um, minus 145 on the on the yes. My plus 110 on the no. You know, Kansas City secondary has been a hit or miss kind of situation so far this year. Uh, they have not gotten an interception the last couple of games, uh, or at least the last two games of the regular season. They did have a long stretch where they had a bunch of interceptions, but Joe Burrow's been taking care of the ball pretty much. He did have one interception against the Titans, but it was the one that Samaje Pirine dropped into the guy's arms. Uh, if you go before that, he had gone three, four, five games without an interception. So if I'm looking for values here, which I like to do in the prop market, no interception for Joe Burrow seems like a nice little play. Now, look, you're not going to do a whole bunch of units. This could be a half unit type of play, but at plus money, no interception for Joe Burrow is mighty intriguing. No interception for Burrow. What about uh, speaking of Joe's, let's go with Joe Mixon. I'm going to look at him as a running back, as a pass catcher out of the backfield. Uh, what do you like with Joe Mixon uh, against Kansas City? 
So as we said in the last uh, segment, uh, the, the Kansas City Chiefs are top five in receptions allowed to running backs. And it's a play that I've made both games so far this playoffs. It's hit easily. It's hit even in the first half in both games. And it's the over on his yards. Now, I'll say this. Uh, this is where we talk about getting in early on the overs. Uh, I got in at 27 and a half on Joe Mixon's receiving yards. It's 31 and a half now. And so, look, I still like it. I like it a little bit less. He's gone over that number in three of his last four games. You could turn to his receptions potentially, but over three and a half receptions in this book I'm looking at is minus 170, which I'm certainly not going to take. And this is one of those classic points here, Teddy. Get in early on these overs because they will disappear, and then all of a sudden you're going to be, look, you just lost four yards of value. With regards to the running side, I like the under on Joe Mixon, but actually this number has come down a little bit. It's at 55-and-a-half. Uh, we see Najee Harris uh, abandon the run when the uh, Steelers played, and we saw Devin Singletary and the Bills abandon the run against the Chiefs. 55-and-a-half is kind of around that number that Mixon has been the past couple of weeks, so there's no more value there. But if it does go up, Maybe look at the under for Joe Mixon's rushing yards. Sure. Cincinnati's playing from behind. Mixon's not going to get a whole lot of carries. When Cincinnati drafted Jamar Chase instead of an offensive lineman, I said to myself, that's a mistake. It wasn't. <laughs> Jamar Chase has been pretty special for Cincinnati this year. They would not be here without Jamar Chase, despite their offensive line woes. What do you think about Chase's props? for the game against Kansas City. So I'll say this. One of the things I don't like to necessarily do is handicap the stars as much because I feel like much like in, you know, in the big time sports uh, and the big time games, I feel like they're handicapped properly. In the book I'm looking at, Jamar Chase's 85 and a half receiving yards. And if you're sitting there, you're thinking, well, wait, why is it 85 and a half? He's gone over 100 the last two games. He had 266 in the game against the Kansas City Chiefs. So why wouldn't I jump on something like that? I'll say this. If you think Jamar Chase is going to have a huge game, jump in on the over now. It's only going to go up. But I don't like betting on these guys when it comes to the numbers that everybody looks at. Jamar Chase's receptions is five and a half. The over is minus 160, which, as I've talked about, is out of my range. So I wouldn't take the over. I think he's going to be busy, but I also think the Chiefs are going to roll coverage his way. He did only have five receptions against the Titans last game, so that's something to watch out for. But I think the value is a little bit gone when it comes to Jamar Chase. There might be some more value in some of the smaller guys that we're going to look at just ahead. Yeah, I mean, let's go. I'm going to throw three of them. If you, you know, Jamar Chase is a stud, and then you have T. Higgins uh, and C.J. Azuma and Tyler Boyd as the alternative pass catchers for Cincinnati. Any one of those three guys that stands out to you as someone we want to be betting on or betting overs, or any one of the three stand out as someone we want to be betting against at Arrowhead on Sunday. Well, I think the value is with T. Higgins here. The problem with T. Higgins is volatility. If you look the last couple of weeks, he had seven receptions against the Titans, but then he had one against the Raiders. He had three against the Chiefs. He had 12 against the Ravens. I think if you're going to roll coverage towards Jamar Chase, then a guy like T. Higgins is going to get more involved and be more open. When you're looking at Tyler Boyd's numbers, you have to study how the Chiefs have done against slot receivers because uh, uh, Sneed, Kansas City slot corner, has actually been pretty good this year, and Tyler Boyd has been kind of the somewhat forgotten guy. The one thing I noticed is 
those three receivers that you mentioned, and then C.J. Uzama is the tight end, they're the only guys who have run routes for the Bengals. Like, there's no fourth guy. There's no fifth guy. So, like, Tyler Boyd's going to be on the field. That's the only positive when you look at him. His receptions is three and a half, minus 165 to the over once again, out of my range. His yardage number is 40 and a half, but he's gone under that the last couple of weeks. So, there is some volatility with the secondary uh, wide receivers in the Bengals. It's all about how you handicap the game. If you think Joe Burrow's going to have a really good game, then people other than Jamar Chase is going to have a good game. If you you think Burrow's going to struggle and have a bad game, then you might look at some of these unders here because there are some plus money unders for the yardage and for the uh, receptions for these guys. Well, let's take a look at the Kansas City side of the equation with Matt Josephs at Major Matt on Twitter. Obviously, Patrick Mahomes is the biggest star as the NFL has right now. Can you find any value in Mahomes props? The hottest market for Patrick Mahomes is his rushing yards. It's been amazing to see. It was it was 24 and a half last week. He went over that, I think, in the first quarter, finished with 69 rushing yards. Uh, this week, they set the number, or at least they opened the number at 28 and a half. And a lot of the sharps that I like to read and a lot of the DFS articles that I like to read love the over here. You look at the last couple weeks, 69, 29, 54. He had 25 yards and two rushes against the Bengals. Uh, and then, but then he had zero against the Steelers. He had 32 against the Chargers. So we know that Patrick Mahomes likes to run. And a lot of the reasons why he gets these yardages, you're not going to spy Patrick Mahomes because that gives you single coverage on the Travis Kelsey's and the Tyree kills and things like that. So when the middle of the field opens up, then he's going to take off running. You can either look at the uh, over for his rushing yards, or you can look at the over for his longest rush attempt, which is 14 and a half. And you look, when he runs, he runs for big yardage. The longest run was 34 against the Bills, 23 against the Steelers, 17 against the Bengals, 25 against the Denver Broncos. Uh, When he runs, he takes off and gets big chunks of yardage. So it's really kind of a comfort factor. Do you want to take the over 29? and a half rushing yards or do you want to take the over 14 and a half yards on the longest rush hope he breaks one off and then you don't even have to worry about what the rest of his rushes are it is worth noting and this stood out to me when i was looking at this particular prop was that mahomes goes over in competitive games in games where casey has a comfortable lead mahomes isn't scrambling and he tends to go under that rushing number so in a weird sense Mahomes over rushing yards correlates at least a little bit with Cincinnati plus the points. Agree or disagree? Yeah, and it makes sense because, uh, but I'll say this to that, though, is the regular season, you don't necessarily want him running as much anyway, whether it's competitive or not. Um, But I'll, you know, it depends on the defenses. You know, actually, if you look at the Bengals when it comes to defending mobile quarterbacks, So that's something you kind of look at in this situation. And the Bengals against some mobile quarterbacks, Josh Fields only had 31 yards rushing on 10 carries. Lamar Jackson had 88 yards rushing on 12 carries. Uh, And those were really the only two guys who had big-time efforts against them other than that 25 yards that Mahomes had. So that's something to potentially look at for the under. But you're not taking the under here. You're either taking the over or you're passing off on the bet because you don't want to be on the wrong side of something like this. Clyde Edwards-Alaire only has seven carries through the first two playoff games for Kansas City. Jerry McKinnon has 22 uh, for the Chiefs. Would you be interested in props with either one of Casey's running backs? 
I would definitely be involved with McKinnon's receiving uh, props if they come out. They have not come out yet, and a lot of times the books put out the the more secondary guys the day of, hoping that people won't notice or they'll kind of forget. Uh, McKinnon is the receiving back for the most part. And then there's Darrell Williams, who could be actually active for this game. If Darrell Williams plays, then that's going to just muddy up the waters for everything. I probably won't touch any Kansas City Chiefs unless I figure out that Darrell Williams is playing. And, you know, then I might look at some uh, Jarek McKinnon receiving stuff of He's not. We have just a minute before the break, less than a minute now. Real quick, Tyreek Hill, Travis Kelsey. These are the name receivers for Kansas City. Are these guys we want to pass on, or is there something you're looking for uh, out of the Chiefs' top two guys? Nope, I'm looking more at Byron Pringle. He's gained the confidence of Patrick Mahomes, and his yardage and his receptions are very reasonable. He could also score a touchdown, I think. There's some value there as well for Byron Pringle. We're just getting started. We have the whole Rams slash 49ers prop market to discuss. That's Jimmy G, Elijah Mitchell, Van Jefferson, Tyler Higby. You know who we're going. We're going with detailed analysis right here when Cover It continues. Stay tuned. SportsGrid.com. Betting insights and entertainment at your fingertips 24-7 as our team covers the most important topics in sports wagering. Real-time odds, predictive betting models, expert picks, and more. Want the edge? Then get on the grid. SportsGrid.com. So I do my best here on Cover It to bring in the guys that live this. You know? (laughs) Uh, It's easy to be a casual sports better. But casual sports bettors aren't necessarily the type of guests that you're looking for. I want a guy who can break down a game inside and out. I want a guy who can, uh, you know, who's not going to get thrown off by any bizarre question that I ask him. And we've got that today, obviously, with Matt Josephs, a guy who knows the prop markets as well as anyone. And Matt, before the break, you were talking about Byron Pringle and McCole Hardman for KC as guys who you have your eyes on as opposed to the Tyreek Hills and Travis Kelseys for Sunday's game. Talk to me about the Pringle-slash-Hardman duo and which of the two you prefer. Well, I mean, look, I think there's some value on both of them, actually. Byron Pringle, uh, his receptions is three and a half now. It's kind of pushing that limit, at least at the place I'm looking. It's minus 140, which is kind of, you know, as I said, uh, you know, way back in the first segment, I'm looking for like minus 130s or better for the most part. But, you know, Mahomes is one of these guys, kind of like Brady, that if you start catching balls and making big plays for him, he's going to go back to you more. Byron Pringle's one of those guys who has done so for the Chiefs. And when you're looking at Miko Harmon, he's playing about 45 to 50% of the snaps. There's some games where he's getting more snaps. But the thing is, his number when it comes to the receiving yards has actually gone down a yard already because I marked it down at 25 and a half. It's down to 24 and a half a lot of Mecole Harmon's receptions are over that itself. And so if you can just get one of Mecole Harmon's receptions, like, you know, the last game, he had one reception for 26 yards. He had four receptions for 43 yards against the Steelers, but one of those receptions was a 41-yarder. Um, he had one reception for 53 yards on January 2nd against the Bengals. And here I'm getting 24 and a half for his, for his yardage. I think he's going to go over that in one catch. Now, the other correlated bet is you could go look at his longest reception, and his longest reception is actually 14 and a half, which I find rather interesting, too. So I think Nicole Harmon's one of those guys you're not looking at his receptions because he's not going to get a ton of them, but his yards or his longest catch could be the way to go because when he does catch it, he goes. In the history of the NFL, 
Only one team has ever done what Kansas City has done, and that's score 40-plus in back-to-back playoff games. And, of course, that team was the Buffalo Bills on their way to their very first of four consecutive Super Bowl losses. And when Buffalo got to the Super Bowl after scoring 40-plus in back-to-back games, they scored 19. And basically, if you're betting, had there been props back in those days, you'd have bet anyone on Buffalo over, you wouldn't have cashed. You'd have been like betting Arizona, anyone from Arizona over in the game against the Rams. There were just nobody went over the total. Do you worry at all that KC's offense is going to get shut down a little bit this week? No, the only thing I would worry about, like their team total is 31 and a half. I mean, you know, the books do a great job of kind of taking those key numbers of, you know, 17, 14, and kind of, you know, pushing the half over it. So that way you're not like, oh, well, the Chiefs are going to score 31. 31 and a half, I think they can get more than that. I don't think the Bengals have what it takes. They have really good corners. Um, But we saw in that game in Cincinnati that Kansas City basically did whatever they wanted to. It was a 34-31 type of game. Um, I do not worry about that. The Kansas City offense should do its part. That's why you don't want to take too many overs. Um, with all these, you know, with all these games, because you don't want to be too locked into one scenario. If you say, "All right, I think the Bengals are going to win this game," and you play all your overs on the Bengals winning the game, and they get blown out, then not only are you losing your Bengals bet, you're losing all your overs. So you kind of sometimes want to be a little counterproductive on your props. For the most part, you want everything to correlate with how you think the game's going to go, but you also want a prop or two just in case it doesn't go that way. There's still a shot that those hit. A little bit of hedging makes sense even in the prop market. Let's shift our focus to San Fran and L.A., and we're going to start with the quarterback who keeps costing me money. That's Jimmy Garoppolo. I bet against him each of the last two weeks. Jimmy Garoppolo stunk in both those games, and somehow San Francisco managed to win and cover both times. What are we doing with Jimmy G as he steps up against the L.A. Rams? Well, the first place to look is interceptions. Everybody's going to say because he's got interceptions in four straight games and uh, six of his last eight overall. But as as we've talked about, it's at minus 145. And it's such an arbitrary thing. You know, let's say Jimmy G gets hurt two uh, two passes in. He doesn't throw an interception. You lose that bet. So that's another one that I really need plus money or a really tight minus, like a minus 110, minus 115. That's me personally. If you, the listener, or anybody else is comfortable taking minus 145s, I, I don't think you could pass up on a interception for Jimmy G. He has one or two head-scratching throws a game. It's just how much, you know, when they happen and if the other team catches it. The one thing that's getting a lot of love is the under for his passing yards, and they're looking at the last two games, the Green Bay one, which you kind of have to throw because of the weather and kind of how the game was played, that it was a little bit tighter. And the Dallas one was, you know, a little bit of a blowout until it got close to so there wasn't a ton of a need for him to throw the last game of the regular season. He threw for 316 yards. The first time he faced the Rams, he threw for 182. So I could see why people are taking the under, but the one scary scenario is if uh, Mitchell and Debo Samuel aren't running against this tough Rams defense, Garoppolo's going to have to throw it. And so that's one of those things where you need to decide how you handicap the game. If you think that the 49ers are going to throw it more, take the over. If you think the run game is what's going to get him going, then you look at the under for a guy like Jimmy G his number might only go down. I don't know if it's necessarily going to go up. So if you like it now at the under, take it now, because I don't think it's going to be one of those things that we're going to see it creep up as we get closer to kickoff. Well, you just brought up Elijah Mitchell and Debo Samuel have a combined 64 carries here in the postseason for 260 yards. They're why Kansas uh, by San Francisco is here uh, now. 
But the Rams' defensive front is no joke against the run. What do we do with Mitchell and Samuel this week? So I, I would more focus on Samuel's rushing yards, and it's a, it's such a fascinating handicap because Kyle Shanahan is so good at devising plays, and you're looking, each game he's seemingly getting more carries. He's had 10 carries in both games in the playoffs, and it's hard to handicap with the two Rams games so far. The first one back on November 15th, that was kind of the first game of Debo Samuel, the running back. He had five carries for 36 yards and a touchdown, and then to end the regular season, they used it a bunch of weeks, and they kind of figure out how they can maneuver him a little bit. He had eight carries for 45 yards in that game. Now, here's the one caveat that people may need to consider when it comes to Debo. He came out of that game against Green Bay a little banged up. Now, he's going to play in this game on Sunday, but how close to 100% is he? Is he going to be used more as a wide receiver? Is he going to be used more as a running back? That's something you kind of have to figure out because I took some value on the under four and a half receptions for Debo. Um, He's gone under this number a bunch. He had three receptions in, in each game in the play he had four against the Rams on that January 9th game. He had five in the um, November 15th game. But as I said, that was kind of the start of the Debo running back experiment. I think there's some value on under four and a half receptions for him. But his rushing thing is going to be very fascinating. Right now, that number is around 39 and a half, which is a very good number, coincidentally, because he's been around that number since moving to running back from time to time. If there's one tight end who isn't getting the pub that he deserves. George Kittle's been amazing. The the, the catches he's made, not just in the playoffs, but throughout the regular season. He's been battling injuries. He's playing with a second-tier quarterback, and Kittle still finds ways to make his quarterback look good. What do we do with Kittle in this game, or Brandon Ayuk, or Juwan Jennings, or any uh, of the 49ers receivers? Kittle's an interesting case because the Ram, uh, the 49ers have used him more as a blocking tight end a little bit, especially against the better pass rushes. Uh, in the two games against the Rams so far this season, he had five catches for 10 yards in January. He had five catches for 50 yards in November. As you said, he's a really good tight end, and when he does get involved in the offense, he makes big-time catches, but the problem is he's been a little bit uh, used more as a blocking tight end, uh, and that kind of worries me when I'm looking at George Kittle overs. Uh, the guy I kind of like, and I'm waiting to see what his receptions is, is Juwan Jennings. He's the slot receiver for the for the 49ers. If you look at that game against Green Bay, he had one reception for six yards. But I was watching this because I had the over and it unfortunately lost. He had one catch that was taken away by a penalty, and he had one drop in the first quarter when clearly he was cold and um, just didn't look very interested in playing the game. So in theory, he should have had three receptions. He killed the Rams last game, had six receptions for 94 yards, most likely Jalen Ramsey's not going to follow him. The slot guy for for the Rams is not the best corner because they've got some good outside guys. So if they put up a Juwan Jennings reception prop, I'll probably be on his over, especially if it's two and a half. I think he gets busy in this one on Sunday. Juwan Jennings, a guy to look at. We've got just a few minutes left here with Matt Josephs at MidMajorMatt on Twitter. And we have all these Rams we still have to talk about. Matthew Stafford, what's he going to do in this game? Well, Matthew Stafford, once again, is another guy you're going to potentially look at for interceptions. But, I mean, I, you know, look, I don't love this 49ers secondary. Uh, his passing touchdowns, the one and a half is minus 230. I don't think there's any value in any sort of Matthew Stafford props uh, in this game. Cam Akers? 
Cam Akers, I'm looking at the under. He opened up around 58 and a half, 60 and a half in some books. It's up to 63 and a half. Only four running backs all season have gone over this number. Again, excuse me, uh, five running backs have gone over this number against San Francisco all season. Also fumbled twice last weekend. There's a small chance Darrell Henderson is activated for this one. Sony Michelle is still there. So Akers is going to get last carries. He has 41 carries in the playoffs so far and has gone under this number both times. I like the under for Cam Akers. I'd lock it in now because I don't see it going up much more because I'm seeing Sharps recommending this thing. So you should definitely take it if it's under 63 and a half in your book. And when we look at LA's receiving core, whether it's Cooper Cup, OBJ, Tyler Higby, Van Jefferson, anyone you're highlighting from the Rams receiving core. As I said, I don't do as much with the superstars. Cooper Cup, I don't think I've bet on one prop with him. I just think they're really sharp numbers when it comes to that sort of thing. The guy I'm looking at is Van Jefferson. Uh, he is questionable for this one, so certainly the injury report comes into play. But his longest reception is 17 and a half yards. 13 of the last 14 games he's gone over this number, including both of them against San Francisco. He had a long of 33 and 24. The past few weeks against the Rams, Cedric Wilson, Nico Collins, Nick Westbrook, Akine, and Alameda Zacchaeus have all gone over this title. Um, so if you look, the, the 49ers have had issues with some of these secondary wide receivers. I think Dan Jefferson goes over his longest reception of 17 and a half yards. And one more bonus one, uh, I like Robbie Gould over one and a half field goals. Uh, the Rams have given up multiple field goals eight times this season. Robbie Gold has gone and had multiple field goals in four of his last six games. Uh, and plus, it's plus money depending upon the place you go. And I love getting plus money when it comes to these kicker props. Sure. And, of course, hey, you know when we talk about San Fran L.A., I don't think we're going to see a whole lot of field goals in Bengals Chiefs. <laughs> but in Niners Rams, I would not be surprised at all if that turns into something of a field goal fest between two pretty darn good red zone defenses. Matt, normally I ask you for a free play at this time, but you've given about eight free plays uh, over the course uh, of the last couple of segments. So I'm not going to ask you for a free play. What I am going to ask you to do is promote yourself. Where can people find you? What shows do you do? Uh, talk a little bit about Mayor People Can Find, Matt Josephs. You can find me on uh, sportsmemo.com. Uh, you can find me on Twitter at MidMajorMatt. I write articles for Athlon Sports. That's athlonsports.com. And occasionally I do videos for BetUS on Mondays and Fridays for college basketball. And uh, I tweet about all this stuff. So certainly if you can't find it, you can find it on my Twitter account at MidMajorMatt. Great stuff from Matt Joseph. And again, I mean, literally, I think we uh, did we run through every prop or did there, there, was there something that we missed? Is there like an area uh, of props that we missed? I think we just didn't do the coin toss, but they don't even have that for these games. <laughs> well, if you were going to bet the coin toss, heads or tails? Tails never fails. Oh, tails never fails. Well, it failed for the Bills last week. I watched them call tails at land heads, and they never got the ball in overtime. That was not good for me. That was not good for my bankroll. Tails does fail at least once in a while. Cover it continues. SportsGrid.com. Betting insights and entertainment at your fingertips 24-7 as our team covers the most important topics in sports wagering. Real-time odds, predictive betting models, expert picks, and more. Want the edge? Then get on the grid. SportsGrid.com. We're here in the home stretch of Cover It with Teddy Covers. And listen, if you missed any portion of today's show. If you want to go back and re-hear something, 
If you want to consume any of my previous Cover It With Teddy covers, it's real simple. All right? Podcast versions available at all major podcast outlets. Wherever you go to download your podcast, just look for Cover It With Teddy covers. If you want to check out the archives, you want to go back and make fun of me for some stupid play that I put out last year. (laughs) Uh, You want to hear my analysis for last year's Super Bowl? You can get all the shows in the archives at Simplecast.com. Just look, again, cover it with Teddy Covers. You can hear every show that I've ever done for the Sports Grid Radio Network. I want to leave you guys with a total opinion for the 49ers and the Rams. And I think if you've been paying attention to the show, you know where I'm going with this. San Fran and L.A. under the total. You can still find 46s out there as we speak. And that's the way I would look for the 49ers-Rams from a side standpoint. I would expect a competitive game. I still think the Rams are the better of the two teams. I don't want to lay the hook. It's a clear pass for me. But from a total standpoint, we're talking about two really good defenses. And most importantly, two defenses that match up well against what their opponent wants to do. Both the 49ers and the Rams are predicated on running the football. When they run, they win. That opens things up for Garoppolo. It opens things up for Stafford. Without the running game, neither one of these quarterbacks is likely, in my opinion, to light up the scoreboard. And I'm not convinced that either team is going to be able to run the football in this one. When it comes to red zone scoring, I'm expecting field goals rather than touchdowns. I do not expect a whole bunch of explosive plays. And of course, we're talking about the four quarterbacks still standing. The two good ones, both in the AFC and the NFC, not so much. So I'm going to look for the 49ers and the Rams to stay under the total. And there's your winner for Sunday. Best of luck. Enjoy the games. And thanks for listening.